creating a high performance culture in the boardroom. We are all clear that we want to create effective and high performing boards. A whole industry has developed around board evaluations. Some are cynical about this. Academics and consultants propose now different models and solutions. In my view, there is not necessarily a right or wrong. Different approaches work in different contexts. We find that the most crucial part is that boards have data, gain insights, and above all, act. What we can do here in this podcast is to inspire, provide ideas and insights into good practice. Welcome to the Better Boards podcast series. In this episode, I'm delighted to talk with Ralf Schubert about creating a high-performance culture in the boardroom. Ralf comes to the subject from a different angle than governance professionals. He has worked for many years with a winning Formula One team and applies now his insights and learnings in boardrooms across Europe. I'm Dr. Sabine Demkowski, founder and managing partner of Better Boards. We make the boards of the most ambitious organizations more effective. Our mission at Better Boards is to contribute to creating better boards. We do this by providing clients with an evidence-based approach for board evaluations and board development programs. To fulfill our mission, we give a voice to all who care about creating better boards. Welcome to the Better Boards podcast series, Ralph. Hello, Sabine. I'm very happy to be part of your broadcast and uh, I'm delighted to talk with you now. Okay, fantastic. Good to have you. Let's jump straight in. What is, in your view, high performance? How do you define it? I do not want to go through a definition. I just want to talk about that. For me, a high performance culture is defined by a highly charged vision, which is shared by all board members and therefore also by all members of the system, company or, or race team, for example. You need clear, defined roles and responsibilities that's important to have some kind of a governance in the team and the board then a positive emotions and passionate commitment to a purpose a purpose is also very important i don't talk about vision in that respect let's talk about what is the, the real senior purpose of a company of a team these are the ingredients which are very very important and also one thing which i also want to mention is You need an attitude of emotional unity. This is important. Emotional unity, that means we all belong together and we all, we all go into the same direction. We walk in the same direction. It sounds simple, but it is not simple. Sabine. No, I know all too well. And you know, culture, and particularly a high-performance culture, becomes more and more important. It's now becoming more and more stressed in the corporate governance codes around the world. And of course, it causes a lot of questions. So when you start working with a board, what are for you the three big red warning signs when you think, oh dear, oh my God, this is definitely not a high-performing board? Yes. What I have learned is that this famous iceberg model, which you might know and which the listeners might know, is very, very valuable and relevant. Because if I see mistrust in a board then I know things will not go in the right direction. Mistrust always could come from a lack of communication or from indirect communication, for example. Communication channels only by via email, for example. How can trust establish and build up? How you can build up trust? It's impossible. What I'm also looking for is, do the people join the party line or not? 
this is a, also a very important sign. If the people do not join the party line, I'm sure that there's mistrust in the system. So therefore, I would say the personal relationship and the interactions, they have to come into the focus. And if they are poor, then this is a strong warning sign for me. And you know, through the pandemic, where a lot of boards had to act in the virtual world rather than seeing each other, physically experiencing each other, being in one room. Yeah, this is really a big, big obstacle on the problem. What you need and what we need is the personal uh, relationship and the, person, the personal touch points. And if we lose that, then it's clear that it has an effect on the trust level. So therefore, I guess that the pandemic had a bad, bad influence on boards worldwide. So let's look more at the bright side. So we looked what are the red warning sides, but let's formulate it in a positive way. What are the elements of a high-performance culture in a boardroom? Yeah, but this is a very important insight from my side, which I, which I gained uh, many, many years ago when I started with the Formula One team. I always asked, uh, asked myself, what is the difference between team number one who becomes the world champion and team number four, five, or six, which usually have the same amount of money or the same quality of people? And then I came to the conclusion that there are three important pillars which make the difference. This is a, they have a strong, the successful teams have a strong feedback culture. They have a strong review culture. That means they are, they are reviewing and monitoring their way of collaboration and on a regular basis. And all members of the team usually have a strong reflection of their self. That means self-awareness. The self-awareness is very important. And if, if a team, a board, board team or a race team, or you can name it, have these three ingredients, then I would say it's likely that they are becoming a high-performance team. You know what's interesting? I mean, this um, regular reviews and reflection is also one of the hallmarks of our seven hallmarks of effective boards model. And this is the point where the academic literature is most clear about Great boards take regular time out, review and reflect about how they work together. Mm. And now what's interesting, when I listen in the interviews for board evaluations, there's a lot on the plate of boards at the moment. And they had to spend a lot of time together in sorting out the challenges from the pandemic. They take time out for their strategy days. But I meet very few boards who actually take regular time out and do nothing else but reflecting and reviewing how they work together. That might occur because they do not have a set of rules and principles which they should follow. So if they do not have a benchmark against they are measured, then it might be difficult for them. Some effects might come from the pandemic, but others are coming from missing a set of rules and missing a set of, of, of principles. It always starts with the definition of these two frameworks. And if you have done that, then the people have to meet on a regular basis, I would say two times a year at least. But it was difficult in the pandemic, that's true. You're right. So do you think two times a year is a good frequency? Yes, but at the beginning, when we start with the process, then they have to, to put more work 
into that topic because they have to come to a common understanding about what are our collaboration rules, what are the set of rules for leaders, how do we want to lead our organization, how do we want to lead our board, and also what should we do if someone acts against that rules. This is also important. And if that is defined, this is a major work, then I would say offsites two times a year would be sufficient from my point of view. But at the beginning, it's a lot of work. And it's interesting. I mean, literally, look at all the boards we reviewed in the last 36 months. There is only one board who actually practices this, acts upon the results of the board evaluation, meets now regularly, quarterly. And this is a board from one of the greatest and most valuable brands in the world, and a board which doesn't necessarily need it. (laughs) Yeah, but Sabine, I'm quite sure that this board has started this process years and years ago in the past, I'm sure, because it needs time to establish a high-performance culture. If this board has definitely started in the past, and I would say five, six years ago. Otherwise, it, would, it wouldn't be possible to achieve a high-performance culture. It is a question of maturity of a board. If there's no maturity, that means I'm thinking about the benefit for the whole board and I do not think about my own benefit, for example. Then if that's not the case, then I would say it's, it's more immature. And what we want to establish and what we want to achieve are a degree of maturity should increase. So what does maturity mean? It's simple. It's simple to explain. Let us take an example of uh, a feedback session. Let us take you and me, and you give me feedback, personal feedback, individual feedback of my behavior, which you have observed. If I immediately start to reject the feedback without thinking about what are the grains of truth in your feedback, then this is immature. Maturity means I consider what you said to me. I try to reflect that according to my, my actions and to my thinking, and then I come to a conclusion but not starting with rejecting your feedback. This is just a small example. And if we have this kind, if we have established this kind of feedback culture, then the positive effect on the board is amazing because this is more like a continuous improvement process. Absolutely. So that means if we have achieved a feedback culture and a review culture, and we have a certain degree of self-awareness, then it is more like a self-nurturing improvement process for the board. And I think this is where we have to get to. And actually, the board has a fantastic instrument, which is board evaluations. They need board evaluations on a regular basis. It is just how do we use the results now to really create a high-performance culture? This process, from my perspective, always starts with an evaluation. I call it, it's an, an evaluation of the DNA. I have to understand what is the old DNA? What is the DNA which brought the board or the system to that point? And then I have to figure out what are the elements of the DNA which are important and which we should keep and which are the elements which we should change. Of course, that work has to be done together with the members of the board. But that's important and that's the time-consuming aspect of establishing and developing a high-performance culture. Our listeners might now think, you know, it's all well and good. Yes, we would like to have a highly effective board. We would like to establish a high-performance culture. But there are so many other things which we have to do. What can chairs and CEOs really do now to 
establish this high performance culture, which they need in order to compete in this ever changing world. Yeah, my strong advice is that the chairs and the CEOs should do everything needed to establish an open, trustful relationship between the board members. If they do not have a good, a trustful relationship, where is it possible to give open feedback and to talk about the weaknesses and the strong points of the collaboration? If that's not the case, then the board never has a chance to be successful compared to the competitors. It's always in comparison with the competitors. So I think the board, the shares and the CEOs should take care of the relationships, the relationship between the board members. And that has a lot to do with trust. And do I really rely on my board member friend? That should not mean that they all should be friends. Yeah, Don't take me wrong. But they should have a sound and a good relationship with each other. Otherwise, it will never work. And feedback, feedback is so important. And it starts with a relationship. And to start this the process overall, I usually do also a board evaluation. What I also do in the, in, in, in race business, for example, uh, and the people here at the, I'm, I'm working in, in, in for a race team, they always think that I'm talking with the people to change the tires. No, that's not the truth. The reality is it always starts with the board. Even in, in sports, it always starts with the board. If the board does not change its own way of collaboration, then it never the, the system will never change. Will never change. So therefore, it's so important that the boards take that seriously. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> so it's this good old saying: the fish always rot from its head. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is the the message which the people don't like, and I usually don't use this uh, this proverb and this saying. I only dare it to is, say it, it it's, here. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a pleasure to work on high performance culture because it's a very interesting and joyful process. It is not a, a heavy and and difficult process. No, it's a joyful process, and only with joy. And we we should also talk about uh, emotions. In, in a high-performance culture. Yeah? Only with joy, you can establish a high-performance culture. Only with joy. That is my learning from years. So I see a lot of people who join boards because it's, well, it's what you do. You know, when you had a certain career, that's basically what you do. And if you belong to a, to a certain group in society, well, you're part of a board. So to be careful what they select, which board they join or... So that it's really joyful, that they are really passionate about. The point is, what is the real purpose of my profession? Is the real purpose that I become a board member or a CEO? Or is the purpose that I want to serve my company? Do I really stand behind the purpose of the company? Or is the only reason to be there to stand behind my own purpose, to become a board member? And the best boards I know, they are passionate about the purpose of the company and not about their own career. If you are successful with your company, you're also successful in your career and not wise further. Great. 100% convinced about that. The most successful people I know in the industry, they are standing behind the purpose of the company, 100%. And they they want to become the best car makers or the best bankers, but they do not want to become CEOs. This is a dead end. And that leads, never leads to high performance culture. Never. So what are the three things our listeners should take away from this podcast? I would say they should think about the advantage of a review culture and the feedback culture, because these are the main ingredients to a continuous improvement process. This is one thing. 
then the prerequisite of a realistic self-assessment and a realistic assessment of others, this is, this is important to run feedback sessions, reasonable feedback sessions. And one thing which we haven't touched so far is uh, the, how do they deal with errors? The most successful teams I know, and this is my, probably this is also something which the people can take away. Avoidance of errors is reviewed as a reduction of innovative strengths. Mm. That means if I am member of a board and I always try to avoid errors, they are part, to be honest, they are part of our life, then I cannot be successful. So therefore, these are the points which I would uh, strongly recommend to keep in mind. Fantastic, Ralph. It was a real pleasure having you. Thank you so much you for much. contributing. Good questions. You ask good questions, Sabine. Thank you. And have a nice day. Bye. How can we help you and your board to become more effective? We at Better Boards are always delighted to hear from you. Get in touch. You can best reach us at info at better-boards.com. Thank you for listening.